going to start a new series. And uh, can I just tell you that uh, a lot of today is going to be heavy? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be heavy. Turn to your neighbor and say that. i uh, just give you a warning, right? If you're new, you're like, wow, is it always like this? No, but we got to go here. We got to go here, okay? And uh, so the series is called Light in the Darkness. And I want to start by asking a question. And the question is simply this. How many of y'all are scared of the dark? Come on, be honest with me. Okay, a couple honest people. All the guys are like, not me, man, right? Uh, yeah, I'm scared of the dark. A lot of people are scared of the dark. Uh, interesting things happen in our psyche when the sun goes down, the lights go off, right? I remember when I was 10 or 11, right? Uh, for you gals in the room, when you're about 10 or 11 and you're a boy, you want everybody to think you're a man. Right? And I was part of this little group that uh, for years we'd go camping with these guys who kind of mentored us. And when I was 10 or 11, I was one of two of the oldest in the group. And so we were going to go on a camping trip just like we always did. And on this camping trip, everybody's going to stay in cabins. If you didn't know this, I grew up in the mountains. Grew up in the mountains of Pennsylvania on this trip because we were older and we ain't scared of nothing because we are 10 now, right? We're 10. We said to the leaders of the group, let us go way up into the mountain and we're going to pitch our own tent, make our own fire, cook our own supper, and we're going to be fine. I could not wait to experience this, right? We had a blast, pitched our tent, everything went great. Made a fire, wonderful. Made our own supper, it was incredible. Even made some sassafras tree. If you don't know what that is, it was incredible up in the mountains, right? Everything's going great until the sun went down. And when the sun went down, everything changed. That's what happens, right? Because when the sun went down, every little crack of a twig sounded like Bigfoot was out there. And every critter running around kind of, set off an alarm, right? We got so scared. I'm just going to be honest about it because y'all won't be. I'll be honest about it. We jumped in our tent. Only problem was fire still going, right? And with the fire still going in our tent, every critter that ran by our tent looked like Bigfoot in a shadow, right? We got so scared. We said, count to three, one, two, three. We bolted out of our tent right back down to the cabin where those guys were staying on that night, right? We said, we're down here to help protect the younger ones, all right? You see, here's the deal. The darkness can be scary, right? The darkness in the darkness, all of a sudden things, their shadows seem bigger, noises seem louder. Sometimes the darkness can be paralyzing. And the darkness is especially scary when you're alone. Can I get an amen on that? Just one amen, right? A few years ago, I stayed in this building alone at night. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, it was a Saturday night. I'll never forget it. Saturday night before we opened up the auditorium, it burnt down, we opened it back up, and I spent the night here, you're like, why? Were you in trouble with your wife? No, we had a house full of company, right? And so I spent the night in my office. Can I tell you something? This place spooky at nighttime, right? Love it in the daytime, spooky at nighttime. Every noise that I'd never hear during the day, all of a sudden became amplified. Every shadow made me wonder. I wonder if somebody's around that corner. By the way, little caution, if you ever try to come in here when I'm here alone, spending the night, and you jump out of a corner, I will hurt you. I just promise you, okay? You see, here's what I know. In the darkness, shadows seem bigger, noises seem louder, and sometimes the fear can be paralyzed. You say, Dan, why all those stories? Because we want to spend five weeks running into the darkness. You're saying, what darkness? The darkness some of y'all are feeling. Some of you this morning are feeling a darkness. It might not be the darkness of the room, right? But it's a darkness. Some of you, the darkness of depression. Some of you, the darkness of anxiety. Some of you, the darkness of trauma. Some of you, the darkness of grief. 
For some of you, it's the darkness of a relationship that's broken. For whatever it might be, there's some of you right now that the noises in your head because you're in this darkness, they're louder than they've ever been. The shadows that you see and perceive, they're bigger than you ever dreamed. And for some of you, the darkness is so profound, so prevailing that it's paralyzed you. You can't move. And so over the next five weeks, we're gonna run in to this paralyzing, profound, real darkness. Some of you are like, I'm not in a darkness, right? So I'm not in a darkness. Well, you might not be in one now, but you may be in one someday that's gonna be helpful, but chances are you know somebody who is. They're in your family, they live beside you, they're your friend, whatever it might be. And a lot of people, what happens when they have a friend or a family member in darkness, it becomes easier to avoid them. You know why? Because we're not sure what to say to them. And so we're gonna spend the next five weeks running into the darkness today, simply today. Everybody listen, I don't want you to misunderstand, is an introduction. I'd like to give you a warning. It's an introduction. So when I get done today, you're gonna be like, is that it? Is it over? No, it's an introduction. We're not finished at the end of today. But it's gonna be a five-week series that we're gonna do together. The question might be, what in the world, Dan, is your goal for this series? Twofold, twofold. In this series, I simply wanna provide hope to some of you who are hurting. I wanna provide hope and maybe some healing for some in the room right now who are in that dark space. And second, I wanna provide help for those of you who are helping. And maybe a third goal that I didn't state in my notes or anywhere is simply this, is that for those of you who thought there's really people who are hurting like that, my goal in this series would be this, is that you would walk out of here and see people totally different had conversations already this morning after first service. Everybody's got a story, and my goal for the series is hope for the hurting and help for the helping. Begs the question then, well, Dan, what's the reason for doing a series like this? It's kind of a deep series, kind of a profound series. What's the reason for doing this series? Can I state it this way and then give you some statistics? The reason for the series is this, the darkness is real. The darkness is real. Everybody say that with me. The darkness is real. You're saying it is, Dan? Yeah, half of all Americans struggle with a mental disorder at some time in their lives. One in five U.S. service members who have served in Iraq or Afghanistan suffers from either major depression or post-traumatic stress syndrome, which affects their relationships and their ability to function. One in 10... One in 10 children and youth have some sort of mental illness condition. And can we just say it this way? We lose one life to suicide every 15.8 minutes. Mental illness, emotional distress, listen close, does not discriminate. Does not discriminate. It affects all kinds of people, all kinds of demographics, all kinds of age brackets, gender, ethnicity, economic status. What does this mean for us? One in four. One in four people sitting here on this day is going to be and is affected somehow either by mental illness or emotional distress, either in your own life or in the life of somebody close to you. Made me think of a statement that I came across by former first lady. Some of you are old enough to remember this. Some of you aren't. You're like, who's that, right? Rosalind Carter. Raise your hand if you remember. You were, wait, wait, hands down. Raise your hand if you were alive when President Jimmy Carter was president, right? Okay. I know who I'm talking to. Well, his wife said this. His wife said this. 
How many of you are alive when Abraham, no, don't do that. <laughs> she said, people with mental health problems are our neighbors. Everybody lean in. They are members of our churches, members of our families. They are everywhere in this country. If we ignore their cries for help, we will be continuing to participate in the anguish from which those cries for help come. A problem of this magnitude will not go away because it will not go away. And because of our spiritual commitments, we are compelled to take action. The darkness is real. In fact, it's so real, I can walk into our schools and see how real it is. You're saying, Dan, what do you mean by that? Well, in preparation for this series, I reached out. We are great friends with the local school here. And I reached out to them for some help and for some stories and for some statistics. They, were, they emailed me back instantly. Like it was incredible, their response. And the needs are great. I asked the school what some of the greatest needs were, and here's how they responded. They said, Pastor Dan, depression for sure, anxiety, apathy, eating disorders, addiction, suicide, self-harm. One counselor said this, one of the biggest things I'm seeing is anxiety over school shootings, some of my students witnessing domestic violence, trauma, grief, loneliness, family instability, And then the fear due to social media of not measuring up. I can go to the schools and see the darkness is real. I can walk in any counselor's office and see that the darkness is real. In fact, I reached out to several counselor friends of mine and I asked them the same question. I said, what are the things you're dealing with? They said, toxic shame. They said, loneliness, grief, loss, no direction, no purpose. The darkness is real. I don't have to go to school. I don't have to go to a counselor's office. You know what I can do? I can turn my TV on and see that the darkness is real. Are you with me? You can do the same. And all of a sudden, you see people who are in extreme darkness doing extreme things. Just watch the news. But here's the deal. I don't have to go to school. I don't have to go into a counselor's office. I don't even have to turn my TV on. You know what I have to do? I just simply have to come into my office. And if my walls could talk is what I say, right? I hear those that are dealing with the shadows of shame, those that are dealing with the darkness of depression, people who are paralyzed by fear. I simply have to go to my office and listen to people's stories. Everybody look here a second. You know what? I don't have to simply go to my office. You know what I can do? I can simply look at, you ready? This might surprise you. I can look at my profession. You're saying, excuse me? My profession is what? It's being a pastor, And if you're paying attention to the news, you might be aware of this, that two well-known pastors, two well-known pastors who have helped tons of people in the middle of their own journey of depression, one right after he preached a sermon about it, both pastors took their own life. Everybody look here a second. Let's get real now. I don't have to go to the school. I don't have to go to a counselor's office. I don't have to turn my TV on. I don't even have to go into my office. I don't have to look at my own profession. I just have to look at my own life. See, some of you have been coming here long enough to know that I've had my own journey through dark spaces. Can I just say this? The darkness is real. The darkness is real, and we, we, who's we? We, people who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, have to run into that darkness. You know why? If we don't, everybody lean in. If we don't, our silence might be misinterpreted. Our silence might be misinterpreted as though we don't care and have nothing to offer, and the direct opposite is true. 
That being said, can I just say this? That there are limitations to this series. I want you to hear me say this. There are limitations to this series. First and foremost, foremost, this may be news to some of you, but one of the limitations to this series is this. I am not Dr. Phil. Can I get an amen on that? I do have a undergrad degree in counseling, but for the last 30 years, I've been working with people, helping people, loving people. We have to run into this, guys. But there are limitations to this series. We will not, listen close, disclaimer, we will not cover every topic. We will not solve every problem. We are not trying to answer every question, and I'm not qualified to speak on every issue. But we will at least pop the lid on this conversation. Here's the structure for the next few weeks, and so you know what's coming. Today's an introduction. I think I shared that. Not going to feel like we're done at the end of today. Next week, I'm actually going to have some help with this. We're going to just run into this darkness of depression and anxiety. Some of you are facing that right now. Some of you know people that are. You need to be here if you know people that are. Uh, Even if you don't know anybody, you will. You will. If you don't know somebody now, you will. So we're going to run into that. We're going to run into the darkness of loneliness. We're going to run into the darkness of pain and trauma. Then the 27th of October, please hear me say this. I am going to, with the help of some others, I am going to do my best to answer some questions you might have. I'm asking for your participation, all right? If you don't ask questions, right, I'm going to come up with a sermon on, I don't know, dispensationalism in the postmodern society or something and make you listen to it, all right? I want to respond to your questions, okay? And so take your welcome card. You can email on the app. Just ask whatever anonymously. I don't care. Email, whatever it might be. We may not be able to answer all of them, but the 27th, that's what we want to do. This is real. Everybody look here. This is a real some of you feel right now. This is your real right now. Some of you feel that real right now. Some of you will feel this real at some time. And some of you in the room know somebody who this is their reality. They're in a dark space for whatever reason. And so it begs the question, well, what in the world do we do? What in the world? I just want to help you today. Can can we do that? Can we pretend like you're in my office and we're just talking? I just want to help you. What do we do? Here's the very first thing I would tell you if I was sitting across the table from you. I would tell you that if you want help, the first thing is I need to be real about this darkness I feel. I need to be real about this darkness that I feel. Ignoring, listen, ignoring the darkness doesn't make it less dark. One of my favorite movies, let me get a show of hands. How many of you ever watched this? I love What About Bob. Raise your hand if you ever watched that movie. Anybody watch it? Yeah. Like it's, it, it might be one of my favorite. Okay, I don't know what that says about me, but, it might be one. But, but there's a scene in the movie, this guy's struggling, and he's got all kinds of therapy and counseling, and he's walking down trying to forget that he's struggling. And he's saying, I feel good. I feel great. I feel what? Anybody remember? Wonderful. One person remembers. Thank you for that, right? And it's like he's trying to convince himself that he's not struggling. Here's what I know. Trying to minimize my darkness doesn't make it disappear. Everybody lean in. If you're a church person, over-spiritualizing it isn't always that helpful either. So it's one of the things I love about the Bible. I would write this down somewhere. I will never heal until I'm real. Some of you are in a dark space. Can I talk to the men for a second? I get to talk to a lot of men and it's easy for us to ignore it. We don't wanna, like, we just grit it out, right? I will never heal 
from the darkness I feel until I get real. And the Bible is very real. Do you know there's this guy in the Bible, and some of you might have heard this name, maybe some of it was a preacher, a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. Remember that name, Elijah? And after he had his most incredible victory, like God showed up in ways that were incredible. It's like he should have been on cloud nine. Guess what? Very next scene, guess what he's doing? He is literally in a deep, dark depression. The Bible's real, and the Bible outlines for us people who struggled with doubt, anxiety, fear, suicide. In fact, there's this passage a few pages over from Psalm 139. If you got your Bibles, you might want to look at it, Psalm 69. And this is what it says. We'll throw it on the screen. See if you can't relate with this. I love how real the Bible is. It says, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Anybody ever been there? Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. Everybody ever been there? Can you relate? Love how real the Bible is. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. But I keep praying to you, Lord, hoping this time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, oh God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me. Pull me up from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Pastor Jonathan, I had an old Testament professor who used to say this, the Bible shoots straight. I love that about the Bible. The Bible doesn't skirt around our struggles, our suffering, the hard things that we face. And can I tell you this? Listen, listen. And it seems to be the heart of God, the God of the Bible, to help, to support, to give hope in the middle of those dark spaces. In fact, in the same book, the book of Psalms, it says this in Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to, if you're brokenhearted today, everybody listen up. If you're brokenhearted, you're in a dark space, listen to this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, saves the crushed in spirit. Some of you know the book of 1 Peter chapter five says this, cast your care on God. Why? Why? Because he what? Cares for you. You see, what's interesting is when you unwrap the Bible, you begin to realize that God is not afraid for us to be real about this darkness that we feel. Some of you feel that darkness. It might be grief. It might be depression. It might be anxiety. It might be something you don't even understand. It might be addiction. It might be you fill in the blank, but you feel this darkness. And this darkness that you feel causes the shadows in your life to loom larger. The noises that you hear seem louder. And for some of you, you are downright paralyzed. And the reason that you're paralyzed is because it seems so dark. Do you know what I know about the darkness? When you're in the middle of darkness, guess what? You can't wait for what? For a little what? A little light to shine. Right? Because when a little light shines, it begins to reveal things that you wondered about in the dark. I'm, 
I got a brother that's three years older than me. Raise your hand if you're a younger brother. Anybody? Younger brother? I see you back here, Larry. I feel your pain back here, all right? Younger brother, right? My brother's three years older than me. We shared the same bedroom, right? And I can remember when it would get dark, one of his favorite hobbies was to scare the liver out of me. <laughs> Amen? I mean, he would say things like, Dan, it's so, he'd shut the door, of course, right? Dan, it's so dark. I wonder what that shadow is over there in the corner. I bet that's somebody. It looked like somebody. And I began to wonder, and I began to get afraid, and I began to think, and I began to hear stuff like, did you hear that? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know when all of a sudden things clear up for me? When somebody cracked open the door, and when a little light shines in, all of a sudden I can see things a little clearer. I can see that that person in the corner is actually a coat rack, and I feel a little better. Everybody look here. Everybody look here. In this dark space that you're in or the person you're trying to help is in, we got to crack the door open. Listen close. We got to crack the door open to shine a little light in the dark space. Here's the way I would say it, and I want you to write it down this way. This darkness I feel is caused by something the light of understanding needs to reveal. I want to explain something. I just want to help you this morning. I want to explain something I think is very important. This darkness I feel, it's real. But this darkness I feel is connected to something deeper. It's it's rooted in something that's causing this darkness I feel. And if I don't get there, I'm just going to simply exist in this darkness. That's the point. In the Bible, everybody remember this, wisdom and understanding always hold hands. Wisdom and understanding always hold hands. They always go together. Here's what I mean. The more I pursue understanding, the better I can apply wisdom. Let me explain it to you real quick. Okay, I'm going to use a really stupid example. But if I start crawling up and down the aisle on my hands and knees, y'all are going to look at my behavior and you'll be like, that guy's crazy, right? You might even exit the room, like call the cops. I don't know. You might make fun of me. Shame on you, right? But I'm acting kind of bizarre. Some of you, Dan would, he might look at me and say, help me understand. Why are you crawling up and down the aisle on your hands and knees? Let me understand. Why are you doing that? If I looked at him and said, you know something, Dan, I lost my contact. Guess what? Understanding leads to what? Wisdom. Now he can what? He can help me because now we understand why. You see, some of us in the room were feeling this darkness and we, we were not sure why in the world life feels so dark, thoughts are so dark, feelings are so bleak. And wisdom and understanding go together. Here's the way Proverbs says it. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. More profitable than silver, better return than gold, more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. A little later in the same chapter, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you and ornament to grace your neck. Here's what happens. Everybody look here. This, uh, you, I want you to hear me say this so that one, it will help you. Two, you might be able to help somebody else. When you turn the lights of understanding on in your life, here's what you find out. We are made more complex than we think. Let me say it again. We are made more complex. That's why this feeling of darkness, simple answers aren't always helpful. 
We are, you're saying, Dan, how do you know we're made more complex? Well, look at what it says in Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, God, and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so, everybody say the next two words out loud, so what? Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. All, all the husbands in the room, if you're here with your wife, here's what I want you to turn and say to her out loud. I would say, sweetheart, you are wonderfully complex. Go ahead and do it right now. You are wonderfully complex. All the wives in the room, turn to your husband and say, you are incredibly simple. No, <laughs> I got one amen. That's awesome, right? <laughs> Here's the deal. We are, we are made complex. We're, we're, we're made complex. God made us that way. So this darkness that we feel, sometimes the reason we feel it is complex. I like the way a guy named Brad Hambrick says it. He says, people are never as neat as whatever categories we try to put them in. Listen close. Christians who say faith only, doctors who say medication only, and counselors who say therapy only are equally wrong and hurtful to those who struggle with mental illness and emotional distress. So true. Old pastor D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, Christians don't understand how physical, psychological, spiritual realms interrelate. The reason for that is, he says, Satan muddies the boundaries. Many of our troubles are caused because we think a problem that we thought was spiritual might be physical, or a problem that is physical might be emotional and or spiritual. Here's what happens. When I turn the lights of understanding on this darkness that I feel, it is rooted in something that's causing it. Well, what might be causing the darkness that you feel or the person that you love feels? Well, I think there's five things that I wanna suggest this morning. Now, these are not original with me. I've done a lot of reading, and there's a guy who lost his son to mental illness. His name is Rick Warren. He gave an incredible talk, and he talked about these five things. But they are the roots to the darkness that we feel. And sometimes, just like a tree, these roots kind of intertwine. Why in the world do I feel this darkness that I'm feeling? I want you to write these down to bring some understanding. First is this. The first possible cause of the darkness I might be feeling might very well be my chemistry. That's our DNA, our genetics. It's something we're born with. Some of us in the room, have, we were born with this hypersensitivity to pain. Others of us in the room, we have this extremely high tolerance for pain. Some of us in the room, if we're honest, we, we were born with a low level of energy. Some of us just born that way. Some of us came out the womb like a hyperactive caffeinated squirrel. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever, I mean, you ever know somebody like that? I've met somebody like, I hired him. He's my worship pastor. <laughs> Sorry, Aiden. Some have chemical weaknesses. Some have structural weaknesses. Some people have to wear glasses. I can't see anything up here without glasses. Some people can't hear, right? Uh, some people have this affinity. This is the way they're made up, but like to want things organized a certain way. 
My, my family, see if anybody relates with me, my family, both my wife and my kids, they both accuse me of being OCD. Anybody in here like that? Like, like, woo, right, that's right. You come in my office, don't mess with it, man. I got things exactly where I want them, right? But every time they say I'm OCD, it, it bothers me to death, man. It, it bugs me to death. You wanna know why? Here's why it bugs me, because the letters aren't in alphabetical order. It should be CDO is what it should be. <laughs> Amen, right? Yeah, it's, some of us just struggle. Now listen, listen, the, I, want, I want to talk to you about something because I did a little research and reading. Some of us are low on a particular hormone, estrogen, to t- testosterone. Some of us have a low iron, other chemicals. It's going to affect us mentally, emotionally. I came across this. There's this chemical inside of us called I might, if you're in the medical field, I apologize up front, uh, but it's called oxytocin, is I think how you pronounce it. This is the chemical that creates connection. It's the chemical inside of us that bonds us to other people. It's the relationship chemical, if you were. If you're low on oxytocin, you're going to have trouble connecting with others. Listen, this is fascinating. God made us wonderfully complex. Oxytocin, by the way, is released in a mom when she nurses her baby. Oxytocin, when a husband and wife make love, it releases oxytocin in both the husband and the wife, bonds them emotionally together. By the way, different sermon, but that was God's idea. That's why marriages, quite frankly, that don't have sex aren't as close as those that do. They're missing this chemical component that bonds you together. Can I say this different sermon, but it's worth saying now. I think it's also the reason God says don't have sex with anybody outside of your marriage. Because you're going to bond emotionally to that person who is not your mate, who you don't have a covenant promise with, and you're going to leave a piece of your heart there. It's why rejection and unfaithfulness, even in marriage, hurts so much. Sex is not simply a physical issue. We're wonderfully complex. If I don't have oxytocin in my body, I'm going to have a hard time connecting with people. What's the point? And then, and then I got to go to, the, I got to move on. The, the point is this. Some, for some of us in the room, the darkness we feel is chemical. Like, and there's no shame in that. Honestly. Like, like some of you have been beaten over the head. Like, you just got to have faith. And, and truly the darkness you feel might be chemical. Can I, can I say this? When, when I get a cold, like a really bad cold or the flu, and I can't kick it, you know where I go? Let me answer that for you. I go to the doctor. And when the doctor says, hey, man, this is going on, and this is going on, and does all the tests and looks and says, I think you need this medicine, you know what I do? <laughs> Brother, I take the medicine. You see, the fact of the matter is there's no shame in that. And some of the darkness I feel may be chemical. And for some of us, that may be exactly where we're at. But, but there's a, another reason. I want you to write this down. For some of us, it's our chemistry. For some of us, it's our connections. It's our connections. That's our relationships, by the way. We preached about this uh, a few months back, but we are made from relationship. God has always existed in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but we have been made for relationship. Listen close. And therefore, because we're made for relationship, we then become the product of our relationships. We become the product of our relationships. And for some of us, that's why we experience this darkness. For some of us, it's relationships that we had no choice in. 
Do you know you have very significant connections in your life that you had no choice in? None of us chose our parents, amen? For some of us, if we could choose our parents, we would have chose our parents. For others of us, if we could have chose our parents, they're not the parents we would have chosen, right? That, like they're connections that we had no choice in. And for some of us, the darkness we feel is directly connected to wounds that we feel because of the way maybe we were raised or not raised, whatever the case may be. Dads who maybe were absent, dads who maybe were abusive, moms who were controlling, marriages that were always fighting. I mean, one of the school counselors just sent me this, said in one of the grade, just this is one of the grade levels, one of the lower level grade levels, she said this, she said, Dan, you need to know that 25%, 25%, you ready? Live with somebody other than their parents, the students that they have. I'm like, huh? That's, that's like one in four in this one particular grade level. Some in foster homes, she said, with grandparents, aunts, and uncles. She went on to say this. She said, with some of my students that I deal with in my office, the thing that causes the greatest anxiety in them is witnessing domestic anger and violence. She said, the anxiety that I deal with here is not solely due to problems at school. They are predominantly due to things going on at home. Here's what I know. The reason I know this matters is how I see me. Listen close, lean in. If you're a parent, lean in. How I see me is directly connected to how I think the most important person in my life sees me. Done studies on it. That's why we would say here, make sure Jesus is the most important person in your life. Because how I see me is directly connected to that. But can I say this, daddy's in the room, mommy's in the room, your kid is developing a perception of them. That's why I would tell them 10 times more than they need to hear it, what they need to hear from you about how you love them, value them, and think of them. There are some relationships that we have no choice in, and then can I just say this, that there are some relationships we do. That's why Proverbs 13, Mitchell, I won't go through all of these, says this, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 18 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Some of us in the room, we have connections, we have friendships that are toxic and they're leading us into a darkness. They're causing us to think dark things, do dark things, whatever it might be. My chemistry, my connections, can you write this one down? When I shed a little light on the darkness I'm feeling, that my circumstances, my circumstances sometimes are the root of the darkness For some of us in the room, it's trauma, it's trouble. For some of us, the darkness that we're feeling is directly connected to a circumstance that happened to us. Some of you, some of you were in the military, saw things. Some of you have been the victim of abuse. Some of you are carrying the deep, deep weight of pain and grief and loss because of a circumstance you never would have chosen. Sometimes the darkness that we feel is not just our chemistry and our connections, but sometimes it's directly connected with our circumstances. Everybody look here. For some of you, you've been, you have survived being treated unjustly by somebody. And now you have this darkness. 
because when's my justice? Some of you have been rejected. You're like, now you feel this darkness. There's a fourth thing, and that's this. It's my chemistry, connections, circumstances. I want you to write this down. Fourth one is this, my consciousness. You're saying, what's that? That's how I talk to myself. Everybody listen. I, and you, by the way, I am constantly talking to me. Yeah, three of you like, "Uh uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm talking to myself. Turn to your neighbor and say it. Go ahead. (laughs) Now say back, so am I. (laughs) Y'all talk to yourself. Listen, I can tell y'all are talking to yourself when I'm up here talking to you. Some of you are like, I wonder how long he's going to go today, right? That's what you're thinking, right? Can I answer your question you're thinking? Here's the answer. Just a little bit longer is how I'm going to go, right? Yeah, we always talk to ourselves. That's why this passage is interesting to me. Ready? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everybody look here. And something that was helpful for me in my counseling, you're saying, you went to counseling? You better believe I did. Something that was helpful for me as my counselor said this is when the Bible talks about your heart, you can kind of put in there most of the time the way you think in your mind. That's why the New Century Version says it this way, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. For some of us, that's why this darkness because we're telling ourselves lies. No one would ever love me. No one would ever wanna marry me. I think everybody thinks this about me. When you walk in a room, let's just be honest. Most of us, we walk in a room and our first thought is this. I wonder what everybody thinks of me. I wonder if I'm wearing the right, my hair is right. Well, not me, I don't think that, but I wonder if everything is A-okay, right? Because we somehow have this constant conversation. You ought to write this down somewhere. Feelings are not the same as facts. My heart can deceive me. My heart can deceive me. That's why Paul says finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, Whatever's right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think of those things. Everybody look here. We gotta, I, I want to draw this somewhere and I want to show you a video. And, and then we're going to sing a song. So I'd love nobody to leave if you can help it. Nobody to leave if you can help it, okay? We're going to watch a video and then sing a song. My chemistry, ready? My connections, my circumstances, my consciousness. There's a fifth thing. Fifth thing, you know what that is? It's my choices. My choices. I can't choose my parents. I can't always choose my circumstances. I can't always choose even the things playing over and over in my head because somebody maybe told me those. But one thing I can do is I can determine my choices. And for some of us, that's exactly, everybody listen, that's why you feel the darkness you do. Because the darkness you feel is this huge grave of guilt you live in. Or for some of you, it's this darkness of deep regret. Or for others of you, you're trying to outrun this shadow of shame. Whatever the darkness is, somehow you're thinking, It's the choices I've made that's creating the darkness I feel. And for some reason, this one's different than all the rest because that's one I control, which is incredible because if that is what is contributing and if that somehow is different than the rest, everybody look here, it is the secret to walking towards hope and healing. 
because all of us in this room have the choice and the ability to choose to walk towards healing. That's why I would say this. Understanding that reveals when I open the door and shine a little light on why I'm feeling this darkness, that light is what opens the door to a wisdom that heals. That light is the very thing that all of a sudden begins to help me understand why am I in this dark space. Everybody listen, I want you to know this. Some of you are in a dark space and when you begin to open that door, you know what it's gonna show you? Like everybody's been telling you, you just need to pray more. You need to have more faith and maybe you do. Please hear the preacher say that. But you might open that door and all of a sudden realize there's something chemically going on inside of you. For others of you, you may open that door I just had a, a family in my office this last week and, and they're all sideways and a mess and I just asked questions for 40, 50 minutes. By the way, not just, good counselors ask questions. If you're going to a counselor and he's not asking you any questions, go to another one. Whoops, sorry if you're a counselor. You know why? Because understanding leads to wisdom. If they're just telling you what to do and don't know why you're where you're at, I'd go to another one. But, but forget that. Not everybody needs counseling. Good friends ask questions. Good friends ask questions. And I was just with a family, and they were telling me all about everything's mixed up, toxic. I asked questions first 40 or 50 minutes, and the lady looked at me because I just asked questions. She's answering questions, and it's what she said. She said, you know something? I have major daddy issues. And I'm like, yeah. Why don't we get underneath that? Because that might explain some things. Some of you might open the door and like, hey man, this circumstance, I didn't realize how it affected me. I was with a guy a couple weeks ago. Somebody very close to him died. He never grieved and got over it. And so something in him died and he has been dead emotionally ever since. Some of you are there. See, here's what I know. When you begin to open the door, listen close. When you begin to open the door, you begin to get understanding for this darkness you feel. Everybody look here a second. And when I crack the door open, that's the minute that I do what is absolutely necessary. The minute I crack the door is the minute I can invite others into my darkness. And for some of you, that's the step this morning. Because you're in a dark space, no one else knows about it. And maybe this morning is your opportunity to crack the door and say, I'm not alone and I matter. And maybe the first person you invite into that dark space might be God. Might be God. Everybody I meet with in my office, I end up asking them this question, what part does God play in your life? Had a guy this last week say, well, I don't go to church much. I said, that's not really what I'm asking. I mean, I appreciate the confession. That's not what I'm asking. So what part does God play? Because the fact of the matter is, God wants you to know this this morning. In the middle of your darkness, you matter. He loves you. For some of you, it might be inviting God into that dark space. For others of you, it might be inviting your spouse into that dark space. For others, a friend. For others, a group. For others, maybe it's a counselor. It's a doctor. I don't know who it is. But here's what you need to know. Some of you look here. You're in a dark space. And I'm simply asking you this morning to walk towards hope by opening the door of understanding to realize that we are wonderfully complex and there is a reason you need to reveal for the darkness that you feel. 
And that when you begin to open that door, that's when you can begin to invite trusted, helpful people into the room because you are not alone and you matter. Watch this video. I was diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia in 1992. I struggle with bipolar and depression. My son was diagnosed at the age of five with bipolar. Uh, he's now 11, so he struggled with it for six years. My husband was a combat vet. He um, suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. I've had two major incidents of major depression in my life. My two daughters have had to see me go to the hospital in an ambulance. Just having to be a mom can be a struggle. Um, and they're the ones that are affected the most. I reached the point where I, I had Many, I had a, a couple of attempts to take pills and, and uh, commit suicide, and then thoughts that would not go away, and just a feeling of hopelessness that you just weren't going to get better. It has probably been the saddest moment of my life to admit that I lost my marriage, mostly because of my illness. We had to learn what it meant that our daughter was bipolar. We had to learn what it meant that our daughter didn't think that her life was worth living. I mean, probably the darkest moment was Chad calling me the first morning um, after he'd spent the night in the mental hospital and asking me why I did that to him, why I put him there, and what he did wrong, because it felt to him like jail. I remember looking and seeing my parents peer in at me and the look on their face, what's going on with my son? What's going on? Every day I came home, I feared opening my front door of what I was gonna see. You know, at your lowest points in your life, you find out what you're truly made of. And it's not because of what you can do, but I've learned it's because of what God can do. God's helped me and the church has helped me just simply by um, being loved and having that unconditional love and not being judged, um, knowing that I can be myself and not be afraid because I am afraid a lot of times to admit what I'm going through. Through my church, I, um, they had a grief share program and that basically was what I needed. It was a place that I could come and feel safe it was a place that I didn't feel judged. Um, I was surrounded by women that all have lost their husbands and they knew the pain. We had that common denominator. And it was just a place that I couldn't wait to go to every week. And it helped me get through those dark days. And I had to move from this paradigm shift from I'm a schizophrenic, I'm a patient, I'm a consumer, or anything else that's there to know what God has to say about me is that I'm loved and that I'm his child and that he in his great compassion wasn't angry at me. I'm okay today and that's a good thing but a couple days ago I wasn't and I just want those people to know that there's hope, that there are people out there that want to help them, and that you can wake up the next day. Don't give up. 
don't give up. There's always hope. Even though you may not feel it, there are people out here, out there who care about you, that you matter to, and you matter to, you matter to God, and you, you hang on to Him, and He will get you through it. Love everybody in the room to just bow your heads with me for a moment. We're going to sing a song here in a second. In the middle of this moment, I don't know all of your stories. Quite frankly, I know some of your stories, but not all of your stories. Some of you this morning are in a dark space. And the whole purpose of this morning is simply to invite you to maybe call on you to have the courage to begin to crack the door. I can remember as a little kid when my brother and I were sharing that room and I was scared to death of the dark and the shadows that I saw loomed large, the noises that I heard sounded loud. There's nothing that brought more comfort to me that when that door cracked, to look and see the face of my father. This morning, I don't know what kind of room you're sitting in, but if you'll begin to crack that door open, begin to shed some light of understanding on this darkness that you're feeling, I can tell you this, there is a God at that door who says, you matter. I love you. In case you wondered how much I loved you, I chased you the whole way to the cross and died in your place. And this morning, he's simply asking that you crack open the door and invite him in to that dark space. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're not necessarily in a dark space, but you know somebody who is. Can I just say this, that one, you can't change them. Two, you can't make decisions for them, but you can be there. And you can love them. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, be careful of being too simplistic with your answers. But what, what matters more than anything is that you're willing to at least knock on the door that they might crack open that door so a little light might shine in. For some of you in the room, you're like, I'm not in a dark space and I don't know anybody in a dark space. Can I simply challenge you this way that people who are in a dark space, they're your neighbors, they're your coworkers, they're your children, they might be your spouse, they might be sitting next to you in this service. And God, my prayer is simply this, is that you would open our eyes that we might see. For some of us that we might crack open the door and see your face and realize we matter you love us for others of us that we might stay present at that door so we might invite others into a path of healing and understanding I'm so grateful that you are a God who shows up in the fire and in the middle of the darkness